since I lost my husband. Now I've lost my sons. I have nothing to give you. I know, but the Lord is punishing me. He is the Almighty. He's bitter with me. Now we're in the middle of a famine. I don't even know if I can feed myself. Yes, he is. You need to stay here or go back home to your gods and find your hu a new husband. I just don't know that you should. Your, your sister-in-law, Orpha, has already left. Go, please go. I will be fine. You're so hard-headed. Come on. I guess we'll make this journey. I just hate to. Precious Naomi. No, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. The Lord has been, he's, he's just, he's been bad to me. He's, I've lost my husband, my sons. Please don't call me Naomi. He is, he is bitter with me. fault, Naomi. I just don't know. Naomi, you know God. I know God, but he is done you with me. He's done with me. I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think he's done with you. Yes, he's ruined my life. You can't give up, Naomi. You can't give up. We're glad to see you. We're glad to have you back. Thank you, but he's done with me. He's ruined my life. There's nothing left for me. Just... Welcome home, Naomi. You know, she represents a lot of people that maybe are here or people that you know about. And I, I want to just go through a list real quick of what's happened in her life. Her husband has died. Ten years after her husband died, both of her sons died. We don't know how, but both of them died. Now, she's with two daughter-in-laws, and she knows that the daughter-in-laws are not mothers. They didn't have any grandchildren. And now, to make matters worse, there's a famine that's taking place. She feels sorry. Is everybody listening to me? Because I'm talking out of the Bible right now. I just want to make sure we are all on the same page here. Because you're about to get robbed. The Bible says he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And we know through Scripture that Jesus said, the seed gets thrown, which is what I'm doing, but there's a thief right there waiting to either burn it up, smother it, or pull it out of the dirt. So I'm just telling you 
don't be disrespectful to the Word of God, number one. But number two, don't let the devil steal you blind of something that could get you out of a bind. Amen? Just want to make sure we all know we're not at bingo, okay? All right. So let me tell you this. And by the way, I love everybody. Happy Fourth of July. Here we go. So listen. All of this stuff has happened. Somebody can relate to this. No husband. No, no children. No grandchildren. And now she feels responsible for the grief that her two daughter-in-laws are experiencing. And she's saying all this because she feels like that God is angry at her, and God's brought all this on her. Anybody feel somewhat uh, relatable yet? Hold on. And so she goes through all this and then gets word that there's going to be, there's a famine that has hit the land, and now they need to go back to their home place because she's heard that God's providing there. And one of her daughter-in-laws, in between all of this, one of them just leaves. And the Bible says that when this was taking place, Naomi, in verse 11, she was trying her best to get both of them to leave. But she said to the girl, she said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you not go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? And she keeps on telling them, turn back, my daughters, go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons, would y'all wait for them? I mean, really? Until they're grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? And then she's just trying to be what a good mother-like mother-in-law would do. She says, no, my daughters, it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And then the one daughter-in-law, verse 14, says that Orpah actually, she says, okay, she kissed her, and she goes her way, and then she starts on Ruth. She says, now listen, your sister-in-law has already done what you need to do. And I'm telling you, she's gone back to her people and her gods and this is what you need to do. And this is where you kind of need to really make sure you don't miss this part. Because Ruth tells her. Now, she's still a young lady. She hasn't had any children. And now she's talking to her mother-in-law. You know, I know a lot of you say, you've, you've heard on TV or something, they, some people refer to them as monster-in-law and all this other kind of stuff. But this, which is... Not a good thing to do. And she is a completely different character than this. This young lady, she says, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn from following after you. For wherever I go, wherever you go, I'm going to go. Wherever you live or lodge, I'm going to lodge. And your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die... I'm going to die there too, and there I will be buried. The man, uh, not the man, but the man that turned the wrong page, she said, the Lord do so to me. This is Ruth. She says, I want God to do so to me and more, if anything but death itself parts us. And when she saw, verse 18 says, 
that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. She just quit arguing with her. And then the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. And it happened when they got to Bethlehem. Now look, in a minute I'm going to get you to count something for me. It happened when they got to Bethlehem that all of the city was excited uh, because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? Now I want you to start counting how many times she starts complaining and blaming, blaming God. Verse 20, we begin. But she said to them, don't call me Naomi. No, sir. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full. Here we go. Verse 21. I went out full, and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? So I counted about three or four times in there, didn't you? That it's just God. It's all God's fault. God doesn't like me. He's afflicted me. He's testified against me. And verse 22 says, So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab. Now, they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley feast. Now, I want to try to be as... as I, I hate to use the word brief because I don't want you to... Um, think I'm trying to rush anything. I'm not. But I don't want to fool around or waste any time. And I want to tell you this. In this story right here that we all just read, and, and we saw a good portion of it, it represents people in this building or people that go out of this building and you're around a whole world full of people that are bitter, that are angry, uh, and for all practical purposes people that are grief-stricken because they've lost somebody dear to them, whether it's a parent, a husband, a child, a grandparent, and, and they can't get out of that hole. And, and, I, and I know this. I, I know it's very possible to be grief-stricken. That means you've been struck by grief that's, that's happened in your life. It can even be an animal, man. It doesn't have to be a person. And, and it can take over you in such a way that you're consumed with it. You wake up and it's there. You live your day. You fake it and try to make it and you go to bed. Some people even try to self-medicate and do everything they can to deal with grief. And, and she had gotten to the point where the way she dealt with it was to blame God. But I'm going to go ahead and fast forward for all of us today. I can't wait to get to the fourth chapter because see... I want to just present to everybody here today that number one, he that's begun a good work in you will be faithful. He will be faithful until the day of completion. That means when you expire, when you die, when your appointment day arrives, when the rapture takes us home, whatever happens first. God has promised in His Word, it doesn't matter what the GPS may say, but God has promised us all that He that's begun a good work in us, He will be faithful until He's completely through with the work in and through us. He will be faithful. The other thing is, 
that the steps of a righteous man, woman, boy, girl, child even, are ordered by the Lord. I want to tell you, you cannot even walk through the valley of the shadow of death itself. Talk about grief. You cannot walk through death itself without the Lord knowing all too well about it. The Bible says He was acquainted with our grief. He knows all about it. God knows what it feels like to lose a son, to a cross, to criminals, to crime, to Myrtle, to Myrtle and Myrtle Beach. And He also knows what it feels like to lose a son to religion. You know who the biggest enemy of the church is right now? I believe. I don't think it's the world at all. I think it's the church. I think it's religion. I don't, not the Acts 2 church, but I mean people that go to church all over the world. I think religion has done a number on all of this. I, I, I think it's the biggest enemy because, number one, we won't let God do what God wants to do in our lives. We just refuse. We'll let him, we'll let him bless us. Yes, amen. We'll let him bless us because we can do great things for the kingdom. Well, what God wants to know, I'm leading you. I'm directing your path even though it's at an expense of, of loss. Why can't you bless me while I'm taking you down these roads? Why can't you glorify me in all things? At all time? That's what God wants to know. And that's what he was wanting to know with with Naomi. See, a lot of focus is always put on Ruth. But I believe, I believe with all my heart, right now God is addressing us with what Naomi is going through with because we all, we get to a place where when we can't find anybody else to argue with, we'll just blame God. God did it. It's God's fault. God if he's a good God, and you can finish the rest of that statement, can't you? I do right. I pay my tithes. I read my Bible. I serve. I go to church. And we will name all these things we do for God. But folks, I've got to remind you that if you could see chapter 4 in your life right now, you would turn all your blaming to God into blessing your God. You wouldn't want to blame God but for anything but being good to you. And this lady, she said, the Almighty's been mean to me. He's testified against me. He's punished me. It's God that's brought this affliction of death on me. And now to make matters worse, God has now aff afflicted all of us with a famine, a great famine. This is the way the devil will get in the arrangements if we let him. And instead of us doing what God has called us to do, be about his business, we'll walk around shaking the fist or we'll just show him. We'll sit back and we're not doing anything. I'm not budging for you, God. And I know I'm talking to people right now, but I got to preach. And I want to tell you this. You don't know what God's doing in your life. You don't know what God has set up on the other side of the loss of a two sons or a husband or a famine or one daughter-in-law that finally did take you up on your offer and leave and go find a husband and start a family. But I want to tell all of you this, whether it's the preacher or a spouse or a family member or a neighbor or a co-worker, God will put a Ruth in your life so that he can connect what needs to be connected and get you where you need to be sooner or later, God's going to put a root in your life whether you ask Him to or not. And I'm going to tell you something. You can't get rid of a root. You can't get rid 
of a Ruth because it's God that put that in that woman's heart. She didn't know this God. She wasn't serving this God, Jehovah, yet. She wasn't. But see, God orders people's steps. God, Romans 8, all things will always work together for good to them that love the Lord and who are the called according to His purpose. And that's a good self-check test right there. Why is this not working out in my life sometimes or, or this situation or this door or whatever? A lot of times we are not about His purpose and when we're not about His purpose, everything gets so chaotic and it gets messed up because really... We think we are doing right things, but we are fighting against the plan of God in our life. And that's what Naomi was doing. She was trying to get rid of the work that God was doing inside of her. And you know what? We all resist. Do you all remember when Paul was on the road to Damascus? What, what did he say? What did the Lord tell him? He says, Saul, listen, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit. He said, it's hard for you to kick against the the pricks. It's hard for you to wrestle and fight and, and just tell God, no, get out of my life. I want to sit here. I want to sulk. I just want to, I just want to be depressed. I want to die with my lips poked out and my fist in the air. But you see, you didn't make you. The world didn't make you. God made you. And God's going to do what he wants to do and what he had in mind when he said, let us make him in our own image. Let us make her in our own image. We always belong to God, whether you're running to him or you're running away from him. And God has the final word. God will put in your life and take out of your life what he needs to do to get you where he wants to get you because he's a good God. And God God will only do what's best to bring the most glory in your life all the time. How can death be that way? Well, it can be that way. And about four times, she made it clear that this was all God. It was all God. And one of the things that I really love about this chapter right here is the fact that, that she said, and, and I, I, think I, I think I want to read it again. It's verse 21. And I want you to listen to this. She said, are you all listening to this, by the way? I'm about to read the Word of God. I went out full. And the Lord has brought me home again empty. I want to stop. Because I'm going to tell you from personal experience. And many of you know this. Many times. God has to empty us out. God has to deplete us of us. God has to get all, even the little drop. He even, when He empties you out sometimes, He has to set you there and let even a little bit of the moisture dry and evaporate. God has to completely exhaust us sometime before He can give us a blessing that we know not of. And it looks like God is taking away, God is robbing, God is being mean, but you see what it might be doing. God might be doing what we're trying to do at our house uh, you know, on occasion we're trying to get out and gut stuff that ain't doing us any good, clothes, you know. I got about 200 t-shirts in a back closet. I don't wear them. I wear the same eight. I own more clothes than you see me wear. I own a lot more clothes. I just don't wear them. You know why? Because I'm usually running 
and it's folded up on the steps or on the bed because I didn't put them up yet. I'm going to go on and just say that. And I'll get it. It just come out. I wore it two days ago, but I don't care. It don't stink. And I don't care what people think about me if they think I wear the same one every day. I know it's clean. And, 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 and so I get used to all that and I ignore that back room in the house that we could use for something else. But I won't stop. And you know what I do? When I do stop, I go in there and I start looking at all those T-shirts. I start looking at all the... Man, I like that T-shirt right there. But I don't take it out of wear. I don't do it. No, sir. I'll look at that. That's old. The neck stretched on it and all that. But it's got a saying on it and I don't want to get rid of it. And you know what? I don't look at it again until I get the wild hair to go clean it out. Well, you see, on a spiritual note, God knows about this. He knows this kind of behavior. And this is what he says. He says, look, I got to empty you out because just like you can do a lot more with that back room when you finally address it and get it out, it, I know it's pretty in your life. It's not really a sin, but, but it's, it's preventing me and you and some stuff that could be going on and I could be doing. He says, it's causing some problems and, and what I have really is better, Opie, but, but you got to not care that it's got a nice saying on it. You, just let me empty you out. I got to get you down, Naomi, to where you don't have anything, even food to eat, so that you depend on me one million percent, and then what I have to put back in you, oh, that old food that was molded anyway, that old T-shirt that you ain't going to wear, oh, what I'm going to put in place of what was taking up room in your life is far beyond your wildest dreams. And besides this, you nor anybody else on the planet could give this to you but me. Because I'm going to go on and just... Skip to chapter 4 real quick and tell you that Naomi, she got the best job she would have ever had. Not saying that she never thought about her husband or her two boys, but what God allowed her to be a part of, which was the lineage of David himself, which was the tribe of Judah, which was where the lion of the tribe of Judah would come from. Listen, and she got to be a part of all that process. Look, there was nothing in Moab. There was nothing in Bethlehem. There was nothing in her closet. There was no funeral service that could touch what God was going to do in her life. And somebody that walked in this place right here today, you think God's been mad at you. You think God just really don't like you because you don't bring all that much to the table. But God wants you to know before we pray that he's doing something inside of your life so you can just go on and say, God, I love you. Finish it. Show me what I need to get rid of. Show me what I need to quit fighting against. Show me what I need to quit getting rid of. The people in my life that keep praying with me. We've had people in this church before that says, don't pray for me no more. You know what I do when I hear that, don't you? Oh, I don't pray for them no more. I pray for them like 90 hard then. So that's the worst thing because somebody says, don't pray for me. Just get out of my life, Naomi. Just, I mean, Ruth, uh, 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 or, uh, or get out of my life. Just get out of my life. Get out of my life. 
No, that's when God turns it on even more. And that's what we got to do. We don't need to kick against the pricks like Paul did. We don't need to kick against what God's doing in our life. Because at the end of the story, what God's doing in your life, everything that's happened in your life up until it, it will pale in comparison. Because Romans 8 again, all of these things are going to work together for good, but you've just got to acknowledge that it's the good one working in your life for good and the, it's not the good one working in your life for bad. God is not going to do anything but bless you, friend. You might say, well, how can you call death a blessing? Listen, when you walk through that valley of the shadow of death, number one, you, you don't fear no evil. You won't have to worry. You won't have to be afraid. But I tell you what else. You don't have to worry about being alone, neither. And some of you in here have walked a road that some of us haven't walked. And you can't tell the stories. You can't tell the sleepless nights. You can't, you can't tell of the empty times you've spent. But you know that God's in control. And I want to tell everybody this, that God is working. God is moving. And if you will just hold on to what God is doing right now through this season, through this time. And see, after a while, we get to a, a point where the people that God's put in our life, thank you, Holy Ghost, for reminding me of this, whether it's our pastor, whether it's our spouse, whether it's a friend at work that God has just put there. It's somebody, look, I, you know, we go through this blaming thing where we'll blame the people that God has put there but God's placed people, God's placed things in our lives that really will lift us up and get us on to the next place. And we are, a lot of times, we fight against what God is doing. And God wants everybody to know, starting with the preacher today, that he's going to do it and he'll use whoever. He, he will use a son. And I don't know, I know that prophecy can't be stopped. It can't be sped up or slowed down by man. I understand that 100%. But this story wouldn't have looked the same if one of the sons would have still been alive. And, and a lot of you may know this, but see, if one of the sons, the custom was back then, if one of them would have been alive, then it was his duty to make sure the name of his brother did not die in the grave, and he would have had to make sure that his name carried on, so he would have had two wives. And, and had to go through all of that. And then I know if you've read the Bible, you probably know about that. But see, none of that, what normally took place, and I'm trying to tell you, this was a miraculous thing that looked like it had death times three written all over it. And you feel like, hallelujah, that you might have death times nine written on something. But God just wants me to make sure once more I tell everybody this today. God is working. God is moving. God's not intimidated by pandemics or economies or politics or government or climate. God doesn't, God does not pay a bit of attention to any of this stuff. He is in control. The man spoke and there was light. Did you hear what I said? He didn't work. He didn't do push-ups and see if he could have enough. He, he spoke and there was light. And I'm telling you, 
If he can speak and there was light, he can take whatever's happened in your life that if you just come clean today and say, God, I really have been mad about that because I felt like they were way too young. I did a funeral that I never met the child and I told you about it, Jack's up in Hendersonville back in February. Never met the family, never met the child. The church was slammed full and and one of the things that I know that was carried out through people's minds is so young, this child had a whole life in front of him. And God helped me with that. And I, I, don't, I wasn't planning on saying this today, but God reminded me that all of us have a course, you see. And this is what I shared at the funeral. All of you in this room, doesn't matter how long you have or have not been a Christian, all of us in this room, you have a course. Paul said, the Apostle Paul said, I have run a good race, I fought a good fight. He said, and I have finished my course. And what I told that, that crowd that day at that funeral, I said this, I said, some of us, like when we are in school, when we take a test, some of us, not some of us, but I mean some of you, finish the test before other people. And you'd raise your hands that you were through. You finish your course quicker than somebody. It took somebody else a little bit longer. They got stuck on a question or they couldn't remember. Well, you were familiar with, with the material. You, you knew what it was and you went there. You knocked the job out and you were through with the exam. You finished that course flying colors. That's the way our life is, and that's what I told this family. I said, look, little Jacks, as sweet as he was, and you know this is real personal to me with a two-and-a-half-year-old grandson. This, that's all that we thought about and still think about. I said, I, I don't understand all this, but God helped me to see that Jacks, he came onto this earth, and it didn't take him but a little over four and a half, five years to finish his course, and then God was through with him. You don't know when your course is up. You don't know, but I will tell you this. You need to study to show yourself approved. You need to say, God, look, I'm not going to fight against you anymore. I'm not going to blame you. I'm going to get on the team with you, and I'm going to fight, fight, fight until the end. And God, whatever happens in my life, I know you love me enough to make sure that it's not going to control me and take me out. So I'm going to glorify you through death, through life, through famine, through blessing, or everything being taken away from me. In whatever state I'm in, Paul said, I've learned to be content. So today, I don't know what people go through with every single week. Sometimes God allows me to hear some things. I, I don't know this, but there's, there's one thing I do know that he said that he sticks closer to us than even our flesh, our brother, your sister, your family. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. If I got a friend like that in my life, I don't need to be fighting against him. And some of these scars in here, they're old. It might not have been a death, but it might have been that you should have gotten this job years ago, but a brown noser or somebody that kind of manipulated the setting and the system they walked over you, and you prayed about that. You even fasted about it. You did everything right. You've done everything God asked you to do, and look what happened. And God, if you really love me, 
that would not have happened. Amen. 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 That wouldn't have happened. But you see, I tell the story all the time. This is the last story. We don't live in a mansion, but I remember this. This may be for somebody today. I remember. I bet me and Angie looked at 20 different houses and property back 1991, 92, 93, during that time period. We looked at something. That, now, a lot of you are going to laugh, but back in the 90s, somebody making $300 a week, this, this was big. I looked at a $17,000 dump that we were going to fix, and then I looked at a house, $85,000. Back in 1992 or three, that was just way on up there because that would have been like a five or $600 house payment. All that's funny today. I know that's funny. We looked at all these places. We finally found a place down in Gibson. We had already not only been approved and everything, the family had moved out, and we had bought trinkets off of the wall from them to leave in there. We had already bought stuff because we were going to move in. And something happened when they got the inspection. Or there was a pool liner there or something, and, and there was something else under that. It wasn't major, but they didn't want to address it. They didn't want to pay for it. Bank said, you're not paying for it. This is their property. It's got to be like this before we'll loan you the money to buy it. So see, it wasn't us. And that thing devastated both of us because we thought all this hard work, of all this emotional stuff, and those of you that's been looking at houses and looking at the possibility of fixing this up or doing, we looked at all these things and we were emotionally drained. And then here comes that famine, man. Hit us right between the eyes. She cried. I cried because she cried. And it, it was just not good. And, and we didn't get it. And then one day, Bina's mama called me. Kirsty, I'm sorry. George. Her mama called me when we were moving a couch. I remember me and Tommy up the side steps of their old house. Now, I can't remember what Angie tells me to get at Walmart 10 minutes before I get there. But I remember this. We're toting a couch up the side, and my phone rings. And it's Christine to tell me, she says, Opie, the Calhoun brothers are ready to sell that property if y'all want to buy it. The rest is history. And one day, when I, but I left out one little part. Somebody needs to hear this. When I was so frustrated after all of that, I remember the church I was at at the time working. I was in a little old closet office. And the Lord says, and it was just, it was bothering me because we, we felt like God had forsaken us. I mean, I'm working in a church, God. And all of a sudden, the Lord stopped me with what I was doing. He said, I want you to, I want you to write down on a piece of paper, draw it out of what you would like to have if you could have it. And it's very modest, a simple, I drew it out. And I'm telling you, in October of 1994, me and my wife and our little baby, we moved in that house and we're living in it today. So the point today is, before I pray for real this time, is that when you are looking at this and you have your hopes on this and God slams the door and God says, no, 
That's not it. And you feel like it's one funeral after another funeral. And you can't get out of it to save your life. You can't fast your way out of it. You can't read your way out of it. You can't even give your way out of it. You can't serve your way out of it. I want you to know this. If you will just understand this, that your life, your breath, your feet, your path, everything has been defined by this book right here. He says, I order your steps. I do what I want to do, and I do it all for your good. I work it all out for your good, and your good equals what my glory is. So I'm getting glory out of this, but you're getting good out of this. And folks, it's time for us to quit fighting against God in our life. God's not mad at you. God's not punishing you. God doesn't hate you. God's not trying to do something mean to you. All He's really trying to do is just bless you with something that you never could be blessed with by anybody else but Him. And you've got to let Him do it, Naomi, because the other end of this looks better than you could ever imagine. And I want you to stand up because I've got to apologize. I told you I wasn't going to tell you another story but I told it when I met with this group this morning. And I'm saying this only because this may help somebody. I feel the Lord in this place. See, I know from being out here, just feeling the Lord and looking across this congregation and knowing people are online, I know God's dealing with people. But God's dealing with you in a helpful way. So just the next two or three or four minutes, don't fight the Lord, okay? But I remember before Pat died, and I can say it because this was said publicly, before Pat that stood on this stage the last two to three years of his life and sang, I remember him telling me, and I believe he told me and Mike uh, Webb when we went to go see him the last week of his life, but I believe that man told me he felt like his cancer. I know he told me at Duke, but then I think he told me that last week again. He felt like his cancer that had went, but then it was come back. It was God punishing him for when he ran out on the Lord and he got into the world. And I told Pat what I'm going to tell you right now. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh. There is no condemnation, folks. And God wants everybody here to know this today. We do reap what we sow, and I understand this, but God, He's not the God that sits back after you mess up and you repent, he doesn't go back to something he can't even remember or know about anymore because when you take it to God, it's not only forgiven, but it's forgotten. But he don't go back and he says, well, let me see how miserable I can make you for going back on me or cursing at me or blaming me. That's not this kind of God I'm talking about. That may be the kind of God of a religious person in this world, but the God that I'm talking about out of this Bible right here, He loves you 
And all he wants you to do is let him finish in your life what he's doing. Don't grumble. Don't complain. He's in control, and he's going to do it, folks. But you've got to trust him during the funeral march. You've got to trust him when you're getting the diagnosis. You've got to trust him when you're on the scene of the accident. You've got to trust him when your son or daughter calls you and tells you they're pregnant or on drugs. You've just got to trust him in the valley of the shadow of death. You can't fear evil. Let God do what he wants to do and you will see sooner or later that we'll understand it all better by and by and you're a lot better off than you were when you're back in Moab. If you'll close your eyes and this is the way God's leading me right now. If God's spoken to your heart today, I want you to join me at this altar, whether it's one or 21. If God has dealt with you today, nobody knows but you and God why you even walk this way. But He's here to heal. He's here to help today. And if God's willing to heal and help, I want Him to know I'm available. God, you're willing to heal me and help me today? It might have been a week old, but it can be 10 years old. When you come to the altar, just tell the Lord, Lord, I'm, I'm here, and I need that help. This thing's been heavy on my heart. I'm tired. My shoulders are worn out. He's doing something. He's doing something. This is part of it. I just choose to let Him do it. Father God at this altar. We gather together because that Redeemer that You are, the one that died on the cross that lights the road, to all eternity, Lord, here we are together. God, we pray. You tell him what you want to tell him. He knows the names. He knows the situation. He knows the tears and the hurt. This is where we really cast our care on him right now. Take a few minutes as that music plays and do just that.
Every person that's not a believer inside or online, Jesus wants to save you today. And as we all continue to pray, I just want to tell you that you can, you can leave here a Christian today and you can have the hope and assurance that if you die right now, five minutes after giving your heart to the Lord, or five years, that God's faithful, He'll see you through, and He's not a, a God that will debate on whether He will save you today based on something in your life. And all you have to do is say, Jesus, I am a sinner. If you want to come up here, I'll pray with you if you're in the building. I am a sinner. I can't go on like this. I won't go on like this. You made a way so that I wouldn't have to be held captive by sin and all those mistakes. And I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would forgive me and redeem me right now. I devote the rest of my life. I, I empty me and I want you to empty me, Lord, so that you can fill me. If you pray that, the Lord's faithful and He'll do it. God just laid something on my heart praying over there. Some of you in here, and I believe everybody in one way or another, you're in somebody's life, and it might be a spouse or something, but you're in somebody's life, and you've almost wanted to give up on them. They're negative. They never will do anything that you've talked to them about, you tried to help them about. And, and, and you may just say, well, I, I'm through with it. I'm begging you today. Don't do that. Be a Ruth. Stay there. Pray for them. Be a constant in their life, whether they want it or not. Just stay, just, just commit that person to your life. Com commit them to uh, being a part of your life in prayer, in fasting. Say, no, because you could be the, the person that God chose. You could be the Ruth that God chose to connect that dot for Naomi. You could be that. Don't, don't get so frustrated that you quit and you get tired, or you get aggravated with them. And I'm telling you in this, I don't want to say this business, but in this ministry here, I cannot even begin to tell you the times when it's just been, man, we, we can't keep on with this. We're not getting anywhere. There, the, the, the dog has returned to its vomit. The pig is back in the mud again. Don't, don't do it though. I'm telling you, you just got to say, Lord, I'm here. And I'm, I'm committing to pray for this person. And I want to pray for everybody at this altar. And I want everybody here. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to pray with me for everybody at this altar. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, you see every person here. You know why they are standing at this altar. You know the weight, Lord, that's on their shoulders. God, you know the hurt and the tears. You know the pain that situations or people that have inflicted that they didn't even ask for, Lord. God, you know the death that's brought such a hole and a void inside of them. 
And God, even the times that you yourself have been blamed for, God, you know about this. Jesus, you remember the feeling when the Father had to turn away from you because of sin being thrown on you. You are so much aware of what death feels like. So God, I pray for everybody at this altar right now in the name of Jesus. You said in Psalm 3, 3 that you are the lifter up of our head and God, we pray today in the name of Jesus. You would lift up heads, God, and you would hold people close while you work and help them work through things, God, that the enemy thought was it and all he had to do was sit back and watch. Oh God, in the name of Jesus. God, I pray for them. I pray, Lord, that when they get to the chapter 4 of their lives, Lord, they'll sit back and say, oh, it was bad, but this is so much better than that bad ever dared to be. And I pray, Lord, we would allow you to be that God that only you can be and not punish you or punish the kingdom because of something that happens in this life. All you ever done was been good to us, Lord. And I pray this week, God, we would make it a point to turn our mourning into dancing because you sure do. Every time we've cried, help us to start blessing and praising you because, God, you're going to see us through and what we're going to find out later in this life, Lord, and it may be tomorrow later. God, what we're going to find out was that you, while you had to sit through all the blaming, while you had to sit through all the condemning and all the name-calling, Lord, and all the resentment. You were only trying to do something that was better for us. So, God, I pray in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord, in your holy name, God, that you would just touch us because you know we're made out of dirt. And I pray, oh God, that this week you would bless these people. You would make your face shine on them. You would be gracious to them. You would... Lift up your countenance on them, Lord. God, you would give them peace that passes understanding that they don't even realize, Lord, that's coming from you. But they just have peace, Lord. I pray, God, that you would protect the people. The enemy is a thief. He's a roaring lion. And all he does is spend time trying to destroy us and our families and everything about us. God, direct steps. I pray, God, that you would touch people and keep them safe and bless them for your glory and your name's sake. And God, all that you do, we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. And God's people said, 